Welcome to Talking Celluloid. I am Sam. I'm Rich. And I'm Todd. And this week we're going to talk about adaptations in general. We're going to talk about, um, we each picked a film to talk about, and then we're going to go into our dream adaptations. But first, let's just talk about what we've been watching. Anyone want to go first? Sure. I, I saw Rambo for the first time, or First Blood. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it. I hadn't either. Like, I'd seen parts of it, but this was the first time that I sat down and want Dart to finish. And gotta tell you, I am really surprised that both the character and the fan base of this movie ended up in a pretty hard right segment of uh, of American society. This is a movie about brutal police attacking a homeless protagonist who just wants to get some food and shit hits the fan. He burns down a gun store uh, and it ends with <laughs> hugging and crying. This is a liberal movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's you got to see it. It's it is a good movie. Um, I think the I think some of the conservative ideology comes from the later films probably that were done yeah something has to happen because yeah there's no way that they just saw this and then went right to mexico is bad oh yeah because i've seen all the sequels and the sequels are very much like he he gets transformed but you're right it's one of those things where the origin story is so clearly oppositional to the people who like it i don't know it's like when i meet someone from the south and they're a system of a down fan (laughs) i just wonder like uh it's just like uh like how does that work yeah. I don't know yeah, how yeah. I can watch the, like, I'm sure that the sequels have some good parts in them, but I'm going to have a hard time watching them because, like, this was actually really well done and not the movie you expect it to be. I, I, I heard, listened to a podcast where they broke down the latest one, and oh boy, there's some racist problems in that movie. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, I don't know if I'll ever want to. That's like, that was one of those movies that's been on my, my blind bots that I'm not really all that concerned about, but... If you say First Blood's good. At least the first one, it. yeah. G- give okay. the first one a shot. Uh, also caught uh, Willy's Wonderland and an actually good movie, Judas and the Black Messiah, which was just phenomenal. Oh, Shall we dive into Willy's Wonderland? Because I really <laughs> want to see that. That's like on my, that's on my top things I need to watch. It is exactly what you expect it to be. That's, that's Awesome. <laughs> that's what I can say. <laughs> see i liked that about it though yeah oh yeah I, I liked it it's got it's got like a fun little b-movie quality to it that uh yeah you're right it is kind of exactly what you think it's gonna be i think some people wanted more freakouts from nick cage yeah. like it's it's a surprisingly reserved performance by nick well, cage he but freaks out physically it fits, it fits the story well though yeah yeah he he does it with his body he doesn't yeah. say anything in this entire movie does he a i don't know small things, i don't know yeah. if that counts as a spoiler but yeah like he basically yeah. says nothing nothing and just rolls <laughs> but i want to see it even more mm. how about you guys what did you guys watch this week um okay i watched well i watched tammy and the t-rex nice um, I, I watched that <laughs> too joe bob again uh i i've been a big fan of that movie since i was a kid but um i i mean obviously when i when we were watching it on vhs tape it was the pg-13 version well yeah that gore cut yeah. was was Amazing. legit <laughs> it was great i was not was expecting a- that and i can't remember if because I made Nicole watch it a couple, like a year ago. When it first showed up on Shutter again, half a year ago or something like that. And I can't remember if it was the gore cut, but man, rewatching it with Joe Bob. And I, I was just, I was a very happy camper. That's for damn sure. And anytime I can watch a T-Rex use a payphone. I'm pretty happy about that. I, so. I also this week discovered the Joe Bob Discord, uh, where they're they're talking about the movies as they're airing, and yeah, recommend. Oh no shit! Hmm. I'll have that to do that when the series comes back. Yeah, that, that's what's keeping Shutter afloat. Shutter executives, oh. if you're listening, just give us more Joe Bob. Actually, their originals have been pretty good too. I, I take that yeah. back. Yeah, I actually Shutter is the shit, man. Yeah, there's Shutter. Shutter's my favorite of the streaming services. It's no doubt. the cheapest, and it has lots of stuff that I actually want to watch. It's the opposite of Disney account- Plus. With La Llorona, they have a chance to have an Academy Award nominated movie uh, as one of their like. They honestly you know, deserve they it for Tigers distributor. Are Not Afraid, too, because both of those movies. Yeah, like they're they're getting some of these international horror movies that would have slipped through the cracks otherwise and showing it to an audience that actually wants this. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. What have I been watching? Well, oh, because I, I think just I was inspired by WandaVision and having my Disney Plus account. I have been watching. I've been going back and watching some Marvel films. I don't know if I've never talked to you guys about like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or if you're fans of it in any way, but I watched uh, 
four or five of them just recently, actually. I rewatched the ones that I thought I hated to see if I still hated them all. And one of them I ended up not hating anymore, which was Iron Man 3. I, I ended up I, like uh, Iron Man 3. I ended up going from like thinking it was the worst one to being kind of like higher-ish, like maybe like the second tier for me of films for them. Uh, so I liked Iron Man 3. Age of Ultron, I still have problems with. I still think is the most boring <laughs> film in, <laughs> in the cinematic universe. But I don't know. What are y'all's thoughts on the MCU? I don't, I, I've never heard from y'all on that. Do you like it? Not? What do you think? I, I dig them overall, but I'm definitely mm. suffering from some hero fatigue here. Uh, sure. Yeah, I, um, I was too. The show got me a little revived just because I don't think it's the best show of all time. I think we've talked about this and, uh, you know, like, and, but I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a really fun show and it's like a little, it, it's, it's revived my interest a little bit, but I agree. I, uh, I was really starting to suffer after Spider-Man Homecoming uh, or Spider-Man, the second one, uh, Far From Home, uh, from uh, Fatigue for sure yeah uh, i am um, i am i like phase one mm-hmm. in general i am not an mcu like I, i'm pretty hard on them like sure. i didn't like guardians 2 i thought i i think maybe i'm just like what i want i'm not a huge action movie fan generally too okay. like they're really busy for me black panther made me nauseous like it's just a <laughs> cgi things like flying around like i thought civil war was over bloated i liked winter soldier like i think that's around winter soldier is when i check out i mm-hmm. did love doctor strange i thought doctor strange was amazing i also really like scott derrickson and everything he does pretty much with the exception of what was that devil movie he made was freaking you don't know which one i'm talking about get get behind me devil no that's m night Shyamalan produced it um what was that get behind me devil or something it has olivia munn it's a big piece of shit Huh. But other mm. than that, um, Scott Derrickson is like cool as hell. I like that guy. And I like Doctor Strange a lot. But I, it's like also I watched Infinity War and I'm like, I get why people like this. For some reason to me, it's like not. I think it I think it uh, appeals to the part of my brain that likes consuming world building a lot. Uh, like I like that they're films that end up kind of rewarding you for, you know what I mean? Like kind of delving in so deep and paying attention to these characters over these long periods of time. But I do, I have started to understand why people who uh, aren't into that in any sort of way, especially if you're not into action movies, just wouldn't be into the series very much. So I, I I can get that completely. But I think that's the part that taps in for me. I found in rewatching them, I've, I I miss them. I actually am starting to look forward to phase, I think they're in five now, phase five. Here's so, my question. Yeah. How does Iron Man 2 hold up? Because I saw that in theaters and I liked it quite a bit. So. Iron Man 2 is, uh, last time I saw it, I thought Iron Man 2 was fine but it's my least favorite of the three iron man films sure for sure yeah, I mean, yeah me yeah. too me too yeah yeah I, I wanted to like the concept of that movie better than i actually did the more that i think about it uh yeah. but i would definitely recommend for either of you if todd i know for sure is on the wandavision train if you liked mm. that check out legion it's so legion's it's, the shit it is yeah. it's a similar similar territory but it's done so well and you're mm. part of the people that are are having your minds messed with in that movie yeah. or not movie it's show <laughs> sure also aubrey it plaza makes everything better yes she does yes, she oh does. now i'm in all right yeah. well good also i can't i don't know the act the lead actor oh yeah plays. dan stevens or something yeah he's the he's shit, great dude. he's fantastic in that show well and he's he is actually like i didn't notice how many movies i've seen with him in them because he actually does play different characters in his his stuff right on that's cool i started watching um that netflix and i got major problems with it but uh we've been slightly watching that a crime scene the cecil hotel show Mm. and that you want to talk about a show that misses the mark we were talking about a glitch in the matrix Mm -hmm. and like the fun conspiracy series like sure internet stuff this is bad like it's bad bad and it's like what every part that the docuseries gets is the most interesting part of it they spend like two seconds on the history of the hotel interesting a lot of bad shit happened there barely touch on it the actual investigators and like there's like a real journalist barely get any screen time it's all these like people literally looking like how we look right now on a zoom call going like well a black metal band like dropped the song on the same day she went disappearing 
coincidence he's the murderer and it's like what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about <laughs> they like destroyed this guy's life and you're like you guys are fucking idiots <laughs> so, oh, no. that reminds yeah, me of the always sunny episode that they did in the wake of like making a murderer and the uh the hbo one where the guy was on the hot mic but yeah they, oh, they the decon- yeah yeah uh they they deconstruct all of that stuff and there's an always sunny episode where they're they're trying to make it look like dennis killed his ex and <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh, but yeah i mean it's it's i was really disappointed i mean i i the elisa lamb uh story i know has been floating around for a while where they're like can we make a movie about this it's really scary and it's like eh, it's kind of in poor taste like and i like that haunting of sharon tate where it's yeah. like that's that's a real thing <laughs> but i'm also right. like i mean you could do it you could do it but like to me this whole this docuseries just really misses the mark and i don't know i i've been getting a lot of other shit done while it's happening that's too bad so, yeah kind of disappointing i Hmm. i've i've been thoroughly enjoying painting with john it is low stakes watching and it's just a cranky old man talking about the universe and it's delightful (laughs) he just lives on a caribbean island he used to be a jazz musician now he's a painter and he's just weird as shit and that's it works yeah Yeah. i need some low stakes now that um the great pottery throwdown i've gone through all those episodes so i need some low stake watching good times there was a show called flea market flip that i once when i needed stuff on in the background <laughs> i watched like 14 seasons of this show in like two weeks because oh, love it. i just needed stuff in the background while i was doing things so i understand the low impact uh watch i'll have to check that out that's funny uh that's one a big thing I... in my household oh. is is the background sound thing like yeah. i i'm not used to silence and typically to me silence means that something has gone wrong so yeah Yeah. i need that background chatter i i'm also one of those people that if people chew around me i can't stand that sound so i would just like love music or you know something on to just distract me from it Mm -hmm. yeah so i watched because uh you talked about that four-part docuseries coming out on woody allen i ended up trying to get out of the way a couple of woody allen films i had never seen so that when that comes out i never have to worry about watching anything from him again (laughs) uh And so I watched uh, Annie Hall and I have kind of a conflicted relationship with Woody Allen. I've liked some of his film. I I mean, obviously I do, but uh, I just mean even with his films on their own, Mm -hmm. some of them I kind of like, some of them I don't like. And have you guys seen Annie Hall? Yeah, I I have not. I was surprised by, because it's rated so highly. I was very okay with it. And that that was about it. Like it's really interesting. It's a film that has kind of a unique style for the time. Like there's a lot of fourth wall breaking and interaction and like there's a lot of meta commentary on relationships that's going through it so stylistically there's a lot that's distinctive about it but especially when you think about Woody Allen being the self-insert character and it's this character who's so horrible like in a in a lot of ways and so annoying it's I don't know it was hard for me to get into it well it's like you can make yeah for some reason it I I didn't find it as funny and I don't know maybe it was a time thing maybe because it was like the first one to do that's like you're talking about like the force wall breaking mm-hmm. you know it kind of does like some jump around like the scene I always think about I saw it like one time three years ago and I was like sure whatever like it was fine <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean like the part that made me laugh out loud was when he was talking about having an existential breakdown when he was like eight I'm like yeah okay I get that yep. did that you know that was funny <laughs> but but like other than that I was just like yeah whatever you know I also I don't think I've seen much Woody Allen so I mean everything that I've seen the best it registered for me was like fine like I I didn't find him you know objectionable well I now I find him objectionable as a person but yeah his movies never registered that strongly for me and like I knew a bunch of people who loved them but it just it never clicked yeah I have a film buddy Dylan who's like like huge film nerd and he would just go on and on about Annie Hall and he was the one who sat me down and watched it and he definitely had that you know when you show someone Star Wars for the first time and you're constantly looking over at the couch where it's like you're liking this right because it's important to me that you like this I could just see disappointment in his eyes like you're not liking this I'm like I don't know what to tell you man well it's also it's terrible to be that friend that you can feel them glancing at you and you're like yeah I get it it's just 
No. Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe the fundamental disconnect for me is uh, in a lot of his movies, he turns down weed. And if you know me, that's just <laughs> oppositional to like my personality. And so I think he just likes to lean into his neuroticism in a way that like I'm the opposite of. So like his films just make me feel uneasy sometimes even and like just off kilter. Like I, I don't know, I guess I could understand how it's an aesthetic or like a milieu that people enjoy. But yeah, it, it just doesn't work for me completely and that's one of his most celebrated films so maybe i'm just not a woody allen person well like you were talking about how he like he's a terrible person in that movie you watch something like high fidelity john cusack's a fucking monster in that movie but it works but it it works works. yeah it's perfect (laughs) yeah like it can be done it just yeah. yeah. But that like no, that right. that's part of it. Like most of the Woody Allen stuff I've seen, he's terrible, but it's it's painted in this like redeemable light. Whereas yeah, John Cusack is not like he's he's never supposed to be the good guy. He's just John Cusack. John Cusack. <laughs> just a bastard. Yeah. Very true. Uh, speaking of John Cusack, I don't know why I just bought like it showed up on my like things you might like to watch. I haven't seen this movie in forever. Identity, the multiple, I mean, spoilers <laughs> or whatever. I haven't seen it forever, but yeah, I liked that I'm movie like, when it first like, came out. I was like, I wonder how this holds up over repeat watch. Is it bad? I don't know. I haven't oh, watched okay. it. I was like, <laughs> I was debating it. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to follow up with, I just no. thought. <laughs> no, I just, it just showed up and I was like, holy fuck, I haven't thought about that shit in a while. Like, I wonder well, how that works. All I remember about that movie is that I watched it with my dad and at the end my dad just got up and went that was stupid and left <laughs> and I thought it was awesome but my dad was my dad was very upset about it. I think I like I put that movie and that subject zero did mm-hmm. you ever see that one was Ben Kingsley where he's a telepath and he's like hunting down these child abductors it's a it looks almost exactly the same <laughs> like it's got like that kind of supernatural weird like other elemental twist to it and like but it it, it, it looks like they could have been shot on the same set but anyway i put those two in the same kind of camp but yeah. i don't know if i want to rewatch that movie i think i want to leave I it either. i think i want to leave it in 17 year old todd's badass category and yep. just like not revisit it yeah <laughs> that, that's there's a reason i've never rewatched the boondock saints like I know that every moment of, of that film that I would rewatch is gonna be worse. <laughs> that is an eighteen year old like cat movie. Yeah. Like if if you're in your thirties and you're going on about Boondock Saints, I kind of don't want you at my backyard party. But that's just it. Is I, like when I liked that movie and when it came out, I was about eighteen. Like same with Donnie right. Darko. Donnie Darko yeah. is is another Boondock Saints esque movie. Yep, I agree. <laughs> so uh, oh. why don't we uh, talk a bit about the uh, adaptation? we chose here sure well what do y'all think makes a good adaptation so we why did we pick this topic what's a, what's a good reason sam what do you what do you think makes for a good adaptation what do you what do you think's interesting about this topic i mean why do i gotta be first um <laughs> i picked it because i didn't have a lot of time to watch different movies <laughs> <laughs> Valid. Uh, uh no what makes a good ad- you know it's it's hard to say so i picked shawshank redemption and like as i was going through it you like when you asked me over the week because i read a lot of stephen king and mm-hmm. stephen king is like you want to talk about an author of you it runs the gamut from great to holy shit bad why does it it's not always being faithful to the book like i don't know because like do you like when your adaptations are truly faithful to the the book do you like it when they catch the tone do you like it when they kind of subvert it and change it i think the biggest thing about an adaptation that works is that it works as a movie first mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's big it has to be a good it has to be a competent movie from start to finish and if you have to change shit that's fine just be mm-hmm. a good movie well there, there's always a feeling that comes into play when you hear a a work that you're familiar with is being adapted and that is it's the same feeling that you have when your money is already on the table at the casino and the the roulette wheel is spinning and the ball is going around because you can't feel entirely happy about it because you know that this could come out like garbage and it could be your favorite book that gets ruined in in a movie and you know that they won't be making another movie or or retouching it for a decade but yeah. when it actually delivers it it just it feels so good even if it's it you know deviates from the source material even if it's different if it works you're just you're glued nice 
I agree. I mean, I'm the sort of person who ends up liking these adaptations that uh, I, I agree with the sentiment that it has to be a good movie first and foremost. I like adaptations that take it, kind of expand the world in interesting ways, subvert your expectations in ways that are fun. Uh, and that that kind of translated into to one of mine. Uh, who wants to go first with what theirs was? Richard, why don't you go first? Okay. Uh, <laughs> you were as, volunteered. As the one who, who chose <laughs> the the oddest movie of the group of us uh i chose the vanishing or i think it's spurloose in its original uh dutch uh yeah so the vanishing is definitely a art house movie to the point where you you have to find it on the criterion channel uh if you want to find it streaming it was based off of a book called the the golden egg and the writer of the original book is the one who adapted the screenplay for the the first movie and part of why I chose this is after this first adaptation of the book, they adapted the movie and they kept the same director, but they changed the writers, they brought in the studios and they ruined everything everything the remake the american remake of this is terrible uh did you see they remade it again last year i did not yeah I, I went to go buy i went to go rent it on amazon and there's three versions of the vanishing there's a wow. 2020 version as well wow. uh, so if, if anyone listening is going to watch this movie this is going to be spoiled but this this movie gets under your skin for a movie that has no violence no jump scares no ominous music none of the the usual trappings of a thriller or a horror movie and yet it is so full of dread and just ominous and it just cuts to your your heart richard this is my favorite movie i've watched in the last month i watched it this morning and i loved it i i just also watched hell or his house last week so okay i'm sorry tied for second favorite movie i also loved movie. his house yeah but um, no this the vanishing rocks this movie is so cool there's like a when the movie pivots at some point from you think it's like i saw it was going to be like hunting down this you ever see the hitcher yeah or the yeah mm -hmm. and i saw it was going to be kind of like that year it's from the pov of these two people or this one man trying to hunt down his girlfriend who vanished but then like the movie switches and you get to watch this guy like practice and like methodically like plan out this abduction it also messes plan. with you on that because you don't yeah. know whether this is happening afterwards and this is like a fluke and he you know he was bad at this it's it's after a while you realize no this is just how methodical and calculated this guy is and you know there, there are some huge things that stick out about this movie they tell an entire relationship story in eight minutes of film yep. like the the part where the couple together that's eight minutes saskia the uh, the woman who plays saskia is only in 11 minutes of this movie and yet steals the show hands down Her her face is just burned on the back of your retina for you the want to know what happened to her yeah like yeah mm -hmm. you're like i want to know what happened and you yeah. feel so shitty because you know she's just a girl that is at the wrong place at the wrong time and is too friendly and like all all the stuff that bothers you about this movie is because this is how stuff like this happens in real life it's not in a, a shady alley it's it's not at you know in a dark stormy night bad things happen to people in broad daylight in public and you mm -hmm. sometimes don't know about it until all the the gory details come out and this movie kind of drags you over the coal with with rex too because you see all these these exits on the interstate where he can get out all these opportunities where he can just go back to regular life and he can't he is just so obsessed he needs to know the the answer and he just can't break away you want to talk about a bummer of an ending the yeah. like complete opposite of my movie that i picked like if you were on like a like on a color spectrum you, vanishing is here shawshank is over here by the way i i 100 agree but it is one of the best endings that I can think of oh, in any fantastic. movie whatsoever because yeah and and I think that's also part of what is horrific to me about this movie is how normal uh Raymond is in in his real life and like the fact that he gets to do this monstrous shit and then go sit down for for family dinner with his wife and kids and like act like a normal guy yeah and, and the Criterion channel actually had some like bonus features where the director was talking and this was uh, the one who plays Saskia. This was her first role ever out of school. And the guy who played Raymond the killer was was an established actor. And he was just a complete dick to her in real life until the director was like, uh, no, we're not doing this. Uh, the character you're playing has to be perfect at, you know, keeping this this appearance of being a friendly, upstanding guy. And he's like, and you're going to deliver this on the set. And then that's what what finally broke it and then he saw her acting and and realized that she was good and then things settled down but yeah there there was some real life conflict in this movie hmm. so 
it's interesting, like talking about the ending being so depressing and everything. Unfortunately, this movie was ruined for me because I saw the remake first when I was younger uh. Uh, <laughs> as a kid. So when I approached this, I had a basic sense of what was going to happen. Now that said, I, I don't mean it was actually ruined for me. The the film's amazing. It's fantastic. It's it's a great film. Um, it's a masterpiece in terms of like tension building, and I I love it. Um, my child self doesn't even hate the remake, but I'll trust you that it's horrible. Uh, I'll, uh, I I had horrible taste as a kid when this came out, so I saw the remake in the theater. So like that's yeah. So Sam, it's uh, a heads up rock album. So the the know. Remake was Kiefer Sutherland as the boyfriend, Sandra Bullock as Saskia, and Jeff Bridges as Raymond the Killer. And it ends with a happy ending that his new girlfriend shows up in time and digs him out and then like shoots the guy dead at the house. And yeah, it's just it none of it fits and it just loses all of that momentum. And yeah, that that's why I don't oh, like it. <laughs> well, yeah, the fact that it was a truly depressing ending was a surprise to me, but I had a I don't know, there was part of me that was like, I bet when it's not American, they're gonna be depressing yeah so i did i did kind of have an idea since we we destroy endings in america we love that uh and so but it's a great film what um have you read the original source material like does it do interesting things with the adaptation or no i have not yet it's it's on oh, my no. list okay. of, of big books that i need to read but uh the the movie just floored me so much that it, it has stuck with me for years richard and this this was the this first is just an excuse for you to watch the vanishing you didn't even do <laughs> Work right. <laughs> Shh. My uh, bad. I take back the question. Uh, hey, you guys enjoyed it. I I don't feel bad. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, but yeah, this this just works for me. And like rewatching this movie, it is loaded with like foreshadowing and like telling you exactly where it's going. And it's it just doesn't the pieces don't fit together until you know where it's headed. Honestly, I wasn't expecting the method to be like I was I, in my head. Well, when he and said, the method ties back to that dream that she was having for the entire yeah. thing. I was in yeah. this golden egg floating in black, empty space and I was alone and it finishes. She's not alone, but uh, well, yeah, at the time she was, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know, man. It was crazy. I loved it. Great movie. Great stuff. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back and talk about me and Todd's picks, and then we'll dive into some fun fantasy role play thing. <laughs> so, we'll be right back, and we're back. Well, um, for my adaptation, I'm gonna talk about the adaptation of Stephen King's uh, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, the short story is Rita Hayworth's Shawshank Redemption. Um, it's from the collection of novellas, Different Seasons. Have any of you guys read Different Seasons? I think I don't. I read a couple of the, the stories when I was like, well, well, there's four stories and three of them have been adapted. One Shawshank two opt pupil. Um, I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie. That movie's Brian fucked movie. up. Yeah. Uh, the story is way more fucked up. Also, I guess the behind the well, scenes yeah. with Brian Singer is horrible. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if I could rewatch that movie. Um, the short story is amazing though. And it's really twisted, man. It's super twisted. Uh, the third one. And, that was also um, adapted. Can I, can I adopted? Adapted. Adapted. Thank you. <laughs> Holy shit. I am dumb. <laughs> um, is the body, or as we know it as, stand by me. So like, as far as that, the breathing method is the last story in the no collection novellas. It sucks. Stephen King hates it. I hate it. It's garbage. Yeah. Throw it away. But I mean, talk about like a book. I mean, the Stand By Me and Shawshank Redemption. I could have done Stand By Me. But yeah. um, yeah, I mean, we all know this movie. It's, you know, I think it's IMDb's number one highest rated movie. I don't, mm -hmm. It used to be. I don't know if it still is. But um, and yeah. on Letterboxd, on Letterboxd, it's a top 25 movie of all time. So, it's sure. been, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a movie that I think like most people I first saw it on TNT, you know, and then like it was playing. This all movie the time is TNT. Yeah, this movie is. <laughs> but, you know, just grew up kind of seeing bits and pieces with of it. And then, you know, the first time you sit down, watch it from start to finish, you're like, holy shit, this is like fantastic. I think it was like probably my first like great movie that I loved. That's not like Alien 3. This was a movie I saw before i understood like what the fuck was actually going on with with sure. andy and like all all of the people in this because yeah this was a movie that was on repeat on on turner national television or whatever tnt stands for uh and it was just played in rerun <laughs> and and since most of the stuff is just talked about like as a kid it didn't register to me but frank darabont hasn't made a lot of movies but he's made a couple pretty good ones and, oh yeah and this one 
is definitely up there, but I still think my favorite is The Mist, which is another Stephen King adaptation. But that proves that he he wasn't just doing it for the money. Nobody puts the ending of The Mist in a movie when they're trying to to make a a successful a financially successful Hollywood career. Well, and Stephen King has like directors that he likes. Frank Darabont is one of them. Um, he also likes Mick Garris a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now the Critters sequels were okay. I'm not talking about the Critters sequel. That shining television series yeah get through um the stand doesn't hold up that's an adaptation that doesn't hold up great over time but i remember as a kid watching that with my mom and loving it i i still have a soft spot in my heart for the stand even though it is super 90s rific oh it's it's 90s puke all over man but the um, the it tv movie was definitely better yeah yeah i i think if you're going for, well, I guess it's because he technically Stephen King just wrote it as a screenplay of the TV miniseries. I like Storm of the Century the best. I need to rewatch that because I remember awesome. loving that movie as a kid. And it, it kind of right. felt like one of those that fell through the cracks of, of the digital streaming world. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, I digress. I could talk about Stephen. We could do, we're, we will do a Stephen King episode and it's going to happen. Um, Todd, what about you? How do you feel about Shawshank? What's your. So I have like my take on Shawshank is one of my hottest takes apparently. And it's the, it's the horrible belief that it's just pretty good uh, and not the greatest movie of all time. But like that almost makes you controversial if you have that opinion. I think for some reason, like the sentimentality in it, like hits me like in this way that I don't completely like. And I, I feel uh, occasionally like it's just too like saccharine for me in some ways occasionally. But overall, I still really like it to be honest like i give it a good rating it's just like not uh, i've always wondered uh what about it specifically makes it like the imdb number one but that all said i still really like it like uh, i think it's just easy to digest it's easy to digest so all age groups can sure yeah it's got it does rise that generalized appeal yeah Yeah, Uh, can can i bring a spicy counterpoint to to some of what todd's saying here okay uh no I, i i definitely agree with you in in some aspects but i do think that this is part of the nostalgia and the love of this movie is for its time it was a very very well done movie especially in the in the genre that it was but i i can remind you just how bad the the picks were that year because the best picture nominees when this was up for it were four weddings and a funeral pulp fiction which actually deserved to be there quiz, quiz show, show shawshank redemption and the winner forest fucking gump yeah <laughs> yeah no, no 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 well the only reason i hesitated to hear your counterpoint was i was at my pivot point where i was about to start saying good things about oh yeah and then <laughs> yeah i uh no i do like this movie it's it's a good movie um the acting is especially important uh in this particular film for me at least in that i think in different hands um you talked about how it pushes the schmaltz line for me it pushes it too far occasionally sure uh but with different actors it could just obliterate the schmaltz line i think and yeah, like it's funny that you bring that yeah. up because the original director was going to be rob reiner because it was through castle rock oh, yeah. his production company and mm-hmm. his original pick for Red was Harrison Ford, and his original pick for Andy was Tom Cruise. And oh, no. I want to talk about an awful no. train wreck of a movie that would have been. Well, <laughs> I, I'm not is, a big Rob Reiner fan to begin with, but yeah, that would be terrible casting for this movie. This movie is kind of the origin of like Morgan Freeman becoming the voice of God for people, yeah. like in their minds. Like yeah. it's because uh, this and then Seven came right after this, right? Or like they're right around the same time. Yeah. I can't. I remember think it was the next year. Time. Yeah, uh, I, I do um, think that a lot yeah. of the sappiness comes in the final five minutes of this movie, and I think if Frank Darabont was making it now it would end with them sucking face on a beach. Like the the, the Andy Red <laughs> dynamic. You you want to know the scene that got to me this time where I was like, it, it pushed the schmaltz line for me. This is the scene, I don't know why, but like when he when he's playing the opera music uh, and like everyone's kind of like looking up to the sky, like it's like they're being transformed and like there's this moment. I don't know why, I'm so negative, but it's it's got great direction. The score is amazing. The acting is great. It's, I mean, it's, it's a great film and it's in no way like you said it's very generalizable i can't think of a single person who i couldn't recommend this movie to right yeah 
And I guess that makes for like, obviously the the sorts of movies that end up rated at the, the top of all time. Yeah, yeah. it's good. I, I only have two more points on this movie. One, I really love the line of like, how can you be so obtuse? And like the, the warden's response yeah. to being called obtuse. And also this movie is directly responsible for a lifelong dream of mine to have a crow friend like Brooks. Yeah. Brooks. <laughs> you know, when we were talking earlier about- Brooks. Uh, everyone loves Brooks. Yeah. Uh, um, poor bastard. Um, you were talking about what at the beginning of the podcast about what makes a good adaptation. This is like really faithful to the text. So this is like a, a, an example of one that really st- you read like there are lines, large chapters of the book that are pretty much just word for word of what happens. There's a lot, there's some differences. Like there's the warden in the movie, in the book, it's like several different wardens. Like there's a warden who's running the scam, like the money scam through the work program. There's another warden who's like super religious. They kind of like melt them all down into one. So you have like a focused bad guy um, on it. I'm trying to think at the, oh, and at the end, Red just gets out. I think he like he might find Andy's letter and the money and then it just ends. It doesn't like you don't yeah, know for him, sure yeah. he gets it. Yeah. Well, and, and like I think that was Darabont's thing is that he tried to stick close to the text on all of his Stephen King adaptations yeah. as as much as he could. But then when he did deviate, mostly it was improvements. Like the the ending of the mist, even Stephen King admits is a better ending than he crafted oh, yeah. for his story. And like the Green Mile, while it's probably my least favorite of these three, is still Me too. It, it it captures that king essence and that's the thing is that's really either your thing or your or not your thing stephen king is a very particular type of writer and i i don't fault people that don't like him but i personally have have loved his shit since i was in third grade and probably shouldn't have even been reading those books nope me neither but we so did. my my Stephen King ranked list on Letterbox is called Stephen King ranked by a person who doesn't read. Uh, so I don't <laughs> read often like fiction. This is something I'll talk about in a minute with my, you know what I mean, piece as well. But what would you suggest to like a true newbie to like the concept of Stephen King? Night Shift. Night Shift? Yeah, the, the short story collections, uh, Night Shift and Skeleton Crew are both very, very good. And if nice. you like those then go straight to it or the dark tower it's gonna feel like a, a trek but both of those deliver handily i okay. hated the new it movies i hate those movies strong I, disagree I know, but well oh i like them <laughs> oh well i mean i love that book so much and there's so many things that that just bother me about it um another of his adaptations lately is the outsider did you guys ever watch that hbo show i i loved the show i haven't read the book yet uh, I love that book. That show is so cool. like the first three episodes are perfect, and then it deviates. But also, Holly is one of my favorite reoccurring. Yeah. she's in um the Mr. Mercedes books and stuff like that. Did you see the show for Mr. Mercedes? It I is sneaky not. good, and I think it finally got to a streaming service that you know people not actually the have. Network. Yeah. What the fuck was that? Uh- <laughs> well, and like Brendan Gleeson does such a good job with uh with the main role. Um. I, I can't remember the detective's name. Uh, is it Frank or hell? Yeah. Well, anyway, they did my Holly Dirty. Oh, Bill Hodges. Show. Bill Hodges. There we go. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, Bill Hodges. Yeah, the debt red. Um. Anyway, so like I said, we'll have to do a Stephen King episode. That's going to be like eight hours long, the equivalent of a 750-page novel of his. But I think we can all agree that the best Stephen King adaptation was done by the man himself, Maximum Overdrive. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Fire up the ACDC and stay away from soda machines. You got it. Todd, what about you? Let's go with your pick. So as I hinted at, I I really don't read traditional fiction novels very much. Like I'm more of a nonfiction uh dude typically the exception is comic books so i went with uh, a comic book film uh and i went with scott pilgrim versus the world uh so i'm excited to talk about uh, this particular film which i think is a really really solid adaptation of a comic book that i read two weeks before the movie came out in its entirety and i thought there's no way on earth that this film that this can be turned into a film that works and for me it just worked really well 
uh, like when I watched it. I think it's a film with great visuals and editing that's distinctive. The editing specifically being almost like genre defining. Like, oh, really? It, yeah, it holds up yeah. after all this everybody, time. Yeah, everybody knows like what like that sort of editing means. Everybody knows like the Edgar Wright editing style. Like it's very distinct. The music's so good. And I think it's a film that just does a really good job of like tackling just masculinity and culture at a specific time in our societal development. And I uh, I just think it does a good job. And my biggest uh, thing with it is that I thought after watching the movie, I think it's one of the most brilliantly cast films I've ever seen. <laughs> like everything in the film just works. So that's me on Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, the cast for this is just absolutely stacked. And it was before any of them were huge. And yeah, this this movie was a, a star maker and and proof that Edgar Wright could succeed, you know, without needing Simon Pegg and uh and Nick Frost. You you kind of nailed something there, which is that I, I feel like Edgar Wright movies are as well edited as they are directed for the most part. And that that yeah. is something that he really does well. Uh does, well, does he have the same editor for each movie? I don't know. I I did not look that up. Efforting right now. Go ahead. But yeah, I mean, all of his movies have that kind of frantic, but not confusing editing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's quick, but it's like, it doesn't take away. It's not like that, those taken movies where it's like, oh my God, what? where am I? Well, he like knows you, how to direct the audience's, you know, attention and how right. to keep them engaged. And and that's what his movies do very well. And there, like there's a lot of cool shit that happened with the making of this movie too. Like the the dive out the window when Knives shows up at uh at uh, Kieran's door was yeah. done practically. They just had a guy dressed like uh, Scott behind the door. So he gets out <laughs> of frame and that guy takes a real running dive through that uh that window. That's great. Uh I and mean, Beck wrote all the sex bob songs. And yes. was Nigel Godrich. Yeah. So that's our Radiohead connection. Right yeah. The, the music just the music just freaking rules. And it's like uh there's that great scene. Like one of the things that they do that's just great shorthand is if you read the books, have y'all read those? I've read mm -hmm. the first one and then okay. I need to buy the rest of them. The, um, you can just borrow them from me. I have them if you want. Obviously, there's a deeper story for each of the boyfriends and the um, the twins get undersold a little bit. But the scene is so great with the Cottony and oh, Nagi, yeah. I think, twins uh, like that the way that they took a whole book and condensed it though into this like brilliant amp versus amp battle that created these like you know uh giant you know monstrous avatars for the bands that fought each other was oh, yeah that that uh, for an effect driven scene, scene in a older movie yeah all of the effects they that just blew me away rewatching this is just this movie is what 20 years old almost 20 years old no no no, no 10 10 years oh shit okay 10 years old <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> Shaun of the Dead. This movie old. is ten years old, and uh, <laughs> uh, even then, <laughs> even at ten yeah. years old, ten years in visual effects is a lifetime. True, and True. and yet it doesn't look cheesy. It knows where where the effects should be, and you know, and how to use them sparingly. But yeah, th those fights are are just visually just candy, but it, it still gets the story across. It doesn't become a modern Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, right. No, I, as my, I'm, I put myself back in when I saw this movie for the first time. I think it was like the first time I saw a movie that had Easter eggs that I got from like the video game yep. coin sounds. Also being like I was playing in bands at the time and playing shows. And this movie, like they get the band stuff down perfectly to the point where it's kind of like Spinal Tap scary. Um, no. Also, it has... <laughs> It also has my favorite joke of all time, which is the song, I am so sad. So very, very sad. So sad. Yeah. <laughs> also, isn't so this much. the movie that got Chris Evans the role of Captain? I think. I think so. Probably. And and he by Liz it. looking it up, I didn't realize that uh, Brie Larson was apparently a singer before she was an actress. Yeah, I, I didn't know that either until like literally two weeks ago. But she, she did a great job because that song yeah. was written by Metric and she belted it. Yeah. She's iconic in that role. It's She's it's great. like uh people love it. Yeah. I also stable. like that Scott is not a hero in the story. I mean, he is the protagonist, but he isn't, you know, they they make it clear that Scott's an asshole and that, you know, he's he's growing up as this movie goes along. Hopefully. Wow, right. another through line, kind of like Woody Allen and or John Cusack in <laughs> 
high fidelity. You're right. It's, it does kind of have that same vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, Scott's learning to grow up. Like I said, there's a lot about masculinity in this film that I think is kind of interesting and just like male, you know, just general male ego uh, development. Yeah. Also, how many Smashing Pumpkins teas does Scott Pilgrim own? Because there's, there's <laughs> quite a few in this movie. <laughs> Who is um, the actress who plays Ramona Flowers? I'm spacing on her. Uh, name, right? Mary Elizabeth, Elizabeth Winstead. Winstead. Yeah, she's yeah. amazing in everything she does. Yeah, and I was this her first big role too? This is the first, yeah, like breakout role I can think of for her. God damn! But yeah, then I mean, also, yeah, like you have people that are huge, like Anna Kendrick and uh, Aubrey, Plaza Aubrey Plaza, and yeah, everywhere you look, there's somebody who became successful after this movie. Yeah, I think Jason except Schwartz Michael Sarah. Really, oh, oh. <laughs> aw. Um, I think Jason Schwartzman was really the only established person, right? Yeah. That was like in the film. I remember watching in the theater and Jason Schwartzman was like the big celebrity. <laughs> yeah. 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 You mean so the drummer funny. of Phantom Planet? Yeah. yeah which is so Phantom funny Planet. to revisit now. Yeah. Oh, that's great. But yeah, oh, I actually, think it's a good adaptation. Yeah. That reminds me, I might have to make a change for my, my dream adaptation for one of the roles. I, Jason Schwartzman just entered the mix. Interesting. Interesting. Oh. Well, yeah. So for me, that's a great adaptation. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Um, uh, I love it. I love everything. Can I ask about you a question? Because I've yeah. never read the adaptation or the the source material. Sure. I know a lot of people who had it. I think the reason why, I mean, I, I've kind of come in and out of my comic book phase. Like, mm -hmm. unless it's Swamp Thing, I kind of dip in and out. Is it anime or is it like an American comic book? For some reason, I was thinking it was anime. It's an American comic book that has an anime adjacent look to it. I would okay. say. Yeah, it has a different uh, yeah. like visual style, but its its storytelling is is very American comic yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Okay, not that that would have been a like hard dead for me. I just it's something I oh like, no, I, I would was of it. I would recommend the comic to anyone. It's just a mature, interesting. It's the film does a great job with the vibe and just updating it a little bit from you know culturally from like when sure. it came out and it's uh but yeah it's it's similar vibe i thought michael sarah this is what's interesting is i think michael sarah if you have read the books deserves a lot of credit because when i heard he was the lead i didn't think that was gonna work i thought he was gonna be horrible and he really does a good job yeah in the lead role selling the idea that he's like tough and desirable and you know like but yeah. also like you know this creepy horrible guy in some ways <laughs> and uh that that goes on a, a journey so, well, and the book you know, works in a lot of the stuff that they use as like overlay text in the movies as these little like appendices and like side notes uh, and footnotes sort of things. Um, mm -hmm. And and they they kind of have a, a self-deprecating humor. Like mm -hmm. at, at one point when they're talking about Ramona, because when this first came out, it was a black and white comic. And, yeah, and I was right. like, oh, my God, your hair color is so cool. And then on the side, it says, no, this is in black and white. And then they made a color mm -hmm. version of this. And then the same line gets in. And then now the side note says note this joke was better when it was in black and white <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i like it oh it's great all right well, well should we talk about our um well we can do this real quick um like because mine is not as fleshed out because it doesn't exist so there's not much to talk about of it <laughs> um so i for mine i talked about slaughterhouse five um or i i uh, picked at slaughterhouse five this is one of my favorite books i've ever read i'm a huge kurt vonnegut fan i own every piece of published work he's had that i know of um i've hunted them down including out of print stuff um through different used bookstores slaughterhouse five is a classic what have you guys ever read it the book i did years and years ago for high school english oh wow really uh th 26 this... years ago i read it yeah oh, so wow. i don't remember it very well. <laughs> i'm a big vonnegut fan but this is my least favorite vonnegut <clears throat> I, you know what and i i I was really on the fence about it because like I was like, well, I could do Bluebeard, I could do Dead Eye Dick, or you know, I know I never saw the um the movie they did with Bruce Willis for Breakfast it's of bad. Champions. It's it's bad. I can't imagine it being good. I mean, Breakfast of Champions is one of my favorite books. It's not reason... irredeemably bad, but it does not do the the book service. Yeah. The reason why I picked this is because um I think it would be a it has two of my favorite characters ever elliot goldwater or rosewater sorry elliot rosewater and kilgore trout are in it so automatic extra awesomeness there and i think that like because it plays around with time we are bouncing around post-war new york new york you know dresden battle of the bulge and then trelfam trelfamador um you know the alien planet where he's in like a glass menagerie 
kind of thing. Um, you just have all these different elements, and it's one of the funniest books, I think. His humor in this book, while it deals with these heavy subjects of being like a prisoner of war, are so funny that like the deadpan humor. Um, so I would just really, this is like a movie I would like to see an adaptation of. And enough people have read it. I'm kind of surprised they haven't tried to do. I know they did a French version. There was a French movie made, but I've never seen it. So so um, dig down. If, if you're making this adaptation, who would you have like writer direct or who would you cast in okay. some of these roles? So here's the thing. I was... I'm so torn was because like, I think that Alex Garland would do an amazing job of the visuals of like bouncing between time and like going, I know that was like, but like, I, I think of Annihilation and I can see my Trail Famador being somewhere in there, you know, and like how we handled the Shimmer and Devs and like the way he handles fut like sci-fi. The only thing that makes me nervous about him is I think his sense of, I, I don't think I've ever laughed at anything that man has ever done. I've ever had. Read like, The Beach. The, the, he was a writer before he was a director okay. and read the book for The Beach, like the, the movie, whatever. Uh, but the book was solidly good. And like, there are like funny moments and because, you know, it, it's a Lord of the Flies sort of situation, but you have, you know, like the downtime and the, the social interaction between these people before, you know, shit hits the fan. And mm -hmm. yeah, he, he does have the, you know, capacity for humor. But yeah, I am I'm a biased opinion because, yeah, I've been a fan of his since he was just a yeah. writer. So I, I think that visually he's the one I want. And then maybe for the humor, if like the Coen brothers could just step in for three days and like direct a couple of scenes for him, that'd be cool. <laughs> 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 um for billy pilgrim i as a joke i said nick cage while i was like walking around the kitchen but now i just want nick cage to be like the book ends with a bird going po tweet and i just like i just want him to say that just i want him to read the book pretty much to me nick cage um, <laughs> reads for every role in slaughterhouse five exactly um i think elliot rosewater would be an amazing like john goodman or someone who has like because you know they have well because they need to be you got to be able to see them being sloppy, but also like like the biggest softy on the whole planet, you know. And I, you've seen, we've seen Goodman do acting. You've seen him do like sincere grandpa level, you know, yeah. teddy bear. Kilgore Trout's where I really start to my wheels start to spin because I Kilgore Trout is Kurt Vonnegut in yeah. my head, and just imagining anybody else be Kilgore is just hard for me to do. But I don't know. But yeah, so I, I just think that would be a fun story to. And I kind of played around with like Chuck Palahniuk's Haunted being like an HBO miniseries, but mm. there's like 28 characters and I'm not going to dive into that again. So, <laughs> the, yeah, so that's mine. Uh, the one person that I could see uh, for Kilgore Trout is... Uh, shit what what uh who's the the guy in hitchhiker's guide that plays uh arthur De or oh martin star or no, Mar martin, martin freeman star. yeah martin freeman yeah oh okay i, I could I see could him being yeah i could also see him being billy pilgrim yeah yeah he's he's great he'd be great in any of but that. he has he's that right sort of like weirdness yeah kind of or taika waititi i like that it's kind of a different take on it but i like that idea i'm down for taika <laughs> okay back to mcu i do like as much as i didn't love the movie all the joke all of taika's jokes in Sora ragnarok were great i might even cut this out of the podcast i just want to say i mean that movie didn't do much for me but all his jokes are spot the fuck on so hey sorry richard what'd you pick uh so yeah i chose heart-shaped box by joe hill uh so if, if anyone doesn't know joe hill is stephen king's son who looks exactly like stephen king yes. 40 years ago like the king genes run strong yep. and honestly i think that he is he is already chomping on the heels of his old man and will likely end up being a better writer than his father if he keeps at it as long as stephen king has because already his books are very good uh so heart-shaped box is the story of a a like marilyn manson you know alice cooper type uh musician who is kind of hitting the end of of his life cycle his 15 minutes are up uh but he collects like macabre just artifacts he judas has, coin yeah, yeah uh he uh he has like a snuff film he has skulls he has every like weird thing that a rich guy obsessed with the occult could uh could collect and then he finds a an online ad to buy a ghost and then he buys this ghost 
like permanently attaching it to his his soul or whatever and it turns out that this ghost is a fucking horrific monster and is yeah. is just stalking him and has a personal grudge that that ties back to his history and so this movie or this book really comes down to four roles it is jude who is yep. our our protagonist but another you know very unlikable like he never grows through the entire movie he does not become likable at the end he's just kind of an asshole but that makes him feel so much more real uh then you have craddock who is this old man ghost that is chasing <sighs> him you have florida who is the girl who is is tied to craddock and somehow responsible for this i'm, I'm not going to spoil this book mm-hmm. and then you have his current girlfriend named georgia and he names his girlfriends based on the the state that he met them in, in the tour so that he doesn't have to learn their names that's what kind of asshole this is uh so for for direction uh obviously i'm uh mike flanagan mike flanagan perfect. i think would would be the the perfect person to direct this uh probably also write it because he he knows how to adapt king stuff so i think he would probably do pretty well with joe hill but as far as uh for casting i i think for jude martin Starr or jason schwartzman could both do this role very well like both of them could have that kind of greasy like early aughts you know rock frontman sort of look for craddock it would be really hard to get this, but this is our dream casting. Sir Anthony Hopkins. I, I think that he brings the right sort of menace and, and fear to this role. And like, this is one of those books that I was listening to the audiobook late at night because usually I listen to books to try and fall asleep. And I hit a point like once this got scary, where it's like, oh, this was a terrible idea. Now I can't sleep and I have I to keep this, listening. And I've read a lot of horror books. This is actually one of the few that have legit scared. Yeah. The, de- the description of Craddock in my mind is so vivid. And, and and it just it's just slow burny and like he oh. he kind of wiggles his way into your head and like he's not even just like going for a straight kill he is torturing this guy uh and then for the the two roles of florida and georgia i think julia garner uh, from ozark would be could play mm. the florida role very well and then georgia his girlfriend that's with him is supposed to be a like aging groupie model type thing but who who actually stuck out with him and like cares for him i think somebody like an olivia Wilde or you know somebody who used to be an it girl but is yeah. has now like kind of aged out of that sort of role but still you know has has involved themselves in 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 movies and that sort of thing would be kind of the perfect you know pick for that your pick for judas is um wildly different than what i had in my head as i was reading it i imagined i as i was reading it i was thinking mickey Rourke. oh yeah like, it's like as like a washed up James Hetfield type, yeah, you know? or James Hetfield, maybe he could do it. Well, honestly, originally I, before uh, the the stories of who he is as a person broke, Marilyn Manson would have been the the oh, you know, been perfect great. pick yeah. for this role because yeah. he lived that life. But it turns out that he's the monster and and not yeah, no book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great pick, Rich. I, I I'm kind of surprised no one has tried to adapt that book. I, I I hope that it gets done at some point. And yeah, Todd, I know that you're not a big fiction person, but I feel like mm-hmm. you might. Actually actually enjoy this this story it's pretty it's, short it's, it's to the point read and it it's is it is legit scary nice i might do the audiobook the audiobook's very good also yeah for joe hill audiobooks um the lady who played captain janeway kate mulgrew kate mulgrew okay. is who reads the audiobooks and her or will wheaton reads most of his audiobooks and they're both great will wheaton does a lot of stephen king ones too will wheaton was, have you seen rent a pal yet uh sam the movie's <laughs> fucked up <laughs> It is fucked up. It is not the movie you expect it to be, but yeah, it is. It is a good I Will Wheaton. Thrill. I I liked it. It just made me yeah. feel like I needed a shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. All right. Uh, so we're gonna take a break here. All right. Well, my adaptation will actually be a comic book again. So I chose for my dream adaptation something that apparently they're gonna try to adapt to TV, but I decided to, as a thought experiment, at least try to do it as something for a movie, and it is called Why the last man as in the letter y colon the last man so gentlemen i want you to picture this all at the same time almost instantaneously all men of all species everything with a y chromosome dies at the same time except for one dude 
and his male monkey that he has as uh, a companion animal that he's training uh, as part of an illusion that he does. He's an escape artist. So it's just one guy who's left alive and the world adjusts to basically culturally everything, how it would exist in a world like that. So that's why The Last Man is this one guy basically who's left existing and why he left is left, what happens with him, how he adjusts to the world and how they try to solve the problem and adjust society back to it. So it's by a writer who's pretty famous in the comic world called Brian K. Vaughn, uh, who's done a number of other things, including the famous comic book Saga. So have either of you guys heard of this? I've I've read some of Saga. So he's that guy. Uh, Sam, had you read some of it? I have not, but that's Vertigo, right? Yeah, uh, the company? Yeah, it's very yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's it's been like floating around like I'm a big Brian Azzarello fan mm-hmm. and um like I know that like everyone who's ever like see anyone who sees my Vertigo collection goes how come there's no why here? I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Oh so, yeah. So this is no, a post-apocalyptic take on any which way but loose with with Clint Eastwood and 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 the the chimpanzee or, or no I'm going to say <laughs> was that an orangutan? <laughs> It was an orangutan. I think that was an orangutan. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to say sure. But yeah. like uh, the premise really does sound corny, but it's a film that kind of thoughtfully goes through this process and in an interesting way. He happens to be, because it's a comic book, he happens to be the son of a House of Representatives member who's a woman. But like the, uh, so he has like all of a sudden a Secret Service agent who goes after him and they have to get him to the scientist. And there's all sorts of, you know what I mean? Kind of like interesting things that occur. But the film, the series does a good job of kind of considering what would a world be like in that situation. So they, they just consider things like 85% of airplanes that were in the sky crashed immediately. Like if they talk about how like, you know, like all but like 12 senators at the time died. So like what happens to the government they consider, like they, they have panels that deal with like the prostitution industry and like all these different things. And it deals, it it's, it's an interesting film. So, or it's an interesting, like, fertile ground for something it famously has kind of a dumb ending uh that a lot of people hate so i think that they could try to fix that in the movie or maybe the tv form but my idea for it would be basically to have it be directed by if we're going dream level then what i want is for bong joon ho to direct most of the dramatic scenes and for uh, Edgar Wright to consult on occasional dialogue and editing. Uh, that That's what I want for this particular piece. So that's just as a start. I don't know if either of you uh, have heard of this or had any thoughts about like the general world. And I can go into some of my casting too. I mean, like I haven't read it, but I mean, like I said, it's always been highly recommended to me. And mm-hmm. I know that Vertigo has had kind of with the Preacher series that I liked. I thought it was good. And then the Con, you know, some little bit more popularity with like Constantine and such. Yeah. I, I would be a hundred percent down for this. I mean, it's a, like you said, it's an interesting subject and the leftovers did well. So you, you would think that like movie execs or somebody, I guess you said someone is a- adapting it, right? Yeah. It looks like it's going to be kind of a low budget adaptation for TV. So there's part of me that just really wants one of these like high end, like attempts at like a movie. Cause I think it could be an interesting movie. You have to tell only like an edited part of it obviously, but um, I think it could be interesting. Like I pictured the mom being Julianne Moore. Uh, so that's something I would like. But then a couple of the leads just that I was thinking about were York Brown, who's the guy who lives. There's this guy who I think would be perfect for it. His name is Dylan O'Brien. He was though only in something that's kind of like mockable. He was in the Maze Runner series uh, and like a TV show called Teen Wolf on, you know what I mean? Like the WB. I've seen a little bit of Teen Wolf. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's he plays Styles on Teen Wolf. Uh, so he's a guy who I think would be like pretty good in the lead. Just little stuff. There's a Secret Service agent that I think would be well played by a woman named Hannah John Kamen who plays Ghost in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is like one of her roles. She's been in like a couple of other things. She was a baddie in uh, Ready Player One if you saw that movie. She hasn't been in a bunch of good movies, but she's like got a great look and I think would be interesting in the role. So... 
that's just some of the thoughts I had about it. But I, I would like to see better, you know, and more diverse comic book uh, adaptations since that's most of the fiction I read. Sure. How how long was the series? How it's many like, a, I think it's a 40 book series. It's 10 okay. of, yeah, maybe a 50 book series. So, okay. but it's good. Uh, like I said, I think a lot of people dislike the ending and I, I don't want to spoil the book because I'd like want to encourage people to go out and read it and check it out. I think it's pretty good. All right. Did um, you like the ending? I did not like the ending. I would probably prefer a different ending. I found the ending a little hokey and like, uh, I don't know. I just found it yucky. But Was like, the ending uh, that the real men were the friends we made along the way? Yes, actually. <laughs> you guessed it perfectly. I was actually, I was just thinking of giant squid watchman thing. And I remember when that movie came out, everyone was real upset. And I was like, actually, that's like one of the only things I can defend, like wholeheartedly, where it's like, <laughs> I have no problem with the giant squid, but like, I understand the reason why they had to change that. Until <laughs> you, you know? watch the Watchmen show and you're like, know, and God damn, they should have giant squidded this entire time. That show I will, great. I will, you know what? I'll go ahead and spoil it. At the end of Why the Last Man, an alien comes out and eats everyone. And then it says Cloverfield at the end. <laughs> and that's what happens and it's uh it's the worst and then it's, it's just jj so abrams laying on a pile of cash doing a backstroke yeah yeah taunting you yeah it's yeah. really weird but it predicted all of that well, i made that's... star wars <laughs> that's how jj abrams talks in my head yeah, yeah. mine too I, maybe that's just how he talks so yeah well so that's mine so uh yeah. no that's awesome I, I and i think that um anytime all those vertigo books i'm a i, I love vertigo man like i like when i was telling you i was going in and out of love of comic books mm -hmm. pretty much vertigo was like the thing that like where i started i was getting tired of batman and all that other you know maybe more of the more um traditional comic book storytelling vertigo came along and just saved me man i freaking that Yum. stuff is so great and there's so yeah. it's such a lush field for storytelling and uh, I know that I didn't ever read Preacher but that Preacher show that first season which I guess is a prequel to the actual comic book series I mean if they could do anything on that level for anything from Vertigo awesome yep. so, what about 100 Bullets have they ever done anything with that or talked about that not that i'm aware of that would be but, a cool thing yeah. too sorry i didn't mean to cut you off oh no i'm i'm generally speaking not too uh knowledgeable about new movies coming out and its adaptations but uh that one specifically i've never heard anything about i i just found out as i said that they're going to make this into a tv show which i think might be an interesting idea if they do it well but it looks like it's going to be kind of low budget i don't know we'll see hope for the best hope for the best that way you can be disappointed most of the time <laughs> <laughs> aim for perfection land at okay cool. yeah there we go there we go all right well i think we're good yeah well thank you very much everyone for turning in this week um mm -hmm. oh man my brain is fried i'm sorry <laughs> we don't know our next topic yet but uh we'll uh, see you soon yeah watch some movies watch some, watch movies. some movies take care guys bye-bye